The wait has ended. PGATour.com now has fantasy one and done. No other fantasy format has gained as much attention as this one. Here's how it works. It's totally free. Select one golfer per tournament. Once he's played, he's unavailable for the rest of the year. Sign up now at fantasygolf.pgatour.com. Also, before we get started, a reminder to swing by OGO.com and check out their Cirrus stand bag. I just got mine in the mail. It came in a huge box, and it actually feels like there's nothing inside of it. This bag is the lightest bag I've ever felt. Go to find out more at OGO.com. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Another double podcast week. Uh... I've never in the history of the game of golf wanted to hear about somebody else's round at a golf course more than I do having Kyle Porter back. Kyle, first of all, you're going to be suspended from this podcast after this episode. We've already heard way too much from you. This is like uh, like in 50 years, I'm going to be like Gary Player. Like I was was on the No Laying Up podcast 354 times. (laughs) I've done it more more times than any other person in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. this is by popular demand though, because uh, you were there at Augusta National covering the Masters for the second time. Is that right? In person? second time, yeah, in person, yeah. And you literally won the lottery and <laughs> <laughs> got to got selected to play. Uh, on the Monday after the Masters. We've done a wrap-up podcast on the Masters. You've done a wrap-up podcast with Shane Bacon on the Masters. So I definitely want to start with this. Uh, I Everyone's dying to hear about what it's like to play Augusta National. I'm sure people have heard you know bits and pieces along the way. But, uh, again, golf stores are usually terrible. I don't need a hole-by-hole, shot-by-shot, but I, I think some people <laughs> listening to this might want that. But first I want to go back to how you found out that you won the lottery. Yeah, that, that's that's a good place to start because they um, you have to put your name in. It's 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 a little bit not underground, but you have to kind of know what you're doing. You got to go downstairs, put your name in into this box, and then they pull it out. Uh, I believe they drew on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon, and they announce over the loudspeaker in, in the big media room that they have that they have uh, drawn the names and that they're posted downstairs. It's like it's kind of like uh, middle school, like when you're you see like if you made the team, you know, like you got to go look and see if it's posted. And so I was in the middle of something, and I didn't want to appear too eager. Like you don't want you <laughs> trying to play it cool. You don't want to be like running down the stairs, even though literally every person in there wants to run down the stairs. And so. I thought, okay, whatever, I'll go look later. I probably didn't make it anyway. And uh, our buddy Kevin Van Valkenburg walks up and says, um, so we're supposed to play in a foursome together on on Monday with Bacon and, and Brendan Porath. And he, he walks up and just goes, well, um, we need a new fourth because you're playing Augusta National on Monday. And I said – if you are if you're messing me with me right now, I'm going to kill you. And he and he was like, I, I would not joke about such a thing. Oh, and just, so we and, just thinking about that, that's like making me cringe that he would have joked about that. Continue, sorry. And 
And so we kind of celebrated about that. And then I went downstairs to, to verify. And it's just such a surreal thing because you're in the middle, you're just grinding, you know, over the week, just writing stuff. And then like this incredible thing happens in the middle of it. And it, it didn't really hit me, I don't think, until like later that night when I got back to my to my house that I was staying at, or, or maybe even like the Monday morning when I was driving to the course, just because of how many other things are going on. But that was that was the way that I found out that I was playing. Did you how many so how many people enter it roughly or how many media members are there there? Well it's it's hard to know how many people enter it because once you once you've won it, you can't win it again for seven years. And so not everybody like Sean Martin was there for PGAtour.com, and and he played it, I think, in 2011 or 12, and so he wasn't allowed to to re-enter. So I, I really don't know. There, there's probably a thousand media members there. I don't I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. Maybe maybe less. It's hard to know with photographers and stuff. But then I think it was seven groups of four, so 28 people that that uh, played the course on Monday. That's not great odds. Like, was anybody bitter? Like, did you like sense some bitterness from people that had entered for many years and didn't get it? <laughs> not really. I'm sure there was, but a lot of the people, like I talked to Doug Ferguson, Associated Press, and and some just other people that had been coming obviously forever, and and a lot of them had played it even twice, you know. But most of them had played it uh, at least once. So, it, thankfully, all the, of of the people that I talked to, there wasn't a lot of like angst or uh you know hatred towards me that i know of anyway (laughs) what like what's the first thing you did like did you like call your wife or what what do you what do you do when that happens yeah i text i texted my wife and then a couple well i think i texted our group chat and then a couple other close friends that did you text us before you texted your wife probably yeah i think so (laughs) i think i might have actually (laughs) i think i did i really i really did (laughs) did you have to move a flight around Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even wait to find out what time I, t- so here's the thing. Like I, I didn't want to, no matter what time my tea time was, cause you don't know until later on, I didn't want to be thinking about my flight at all. My no. flight was at four, my flight was at four thirty. So even if I teed off like at seven in the morning, I just didn't want to think about it. And so I moved it to like nine thirty that night so that I knew I would have plenty of time to, to get there. But that that was like two hundred bucks to do that. It could have been two thousand. I didn't really care. Like it did. It didn't matter. You're paying that fee. That's 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 not even a question. Yeah, yeah. How did you possibly focus on the remaining two days of the event when you had that looming? Well, that's what uh, Bacon came up and said. I'd like to make an announcement to everyone. Kyle Porter is going to write nothing good for the rest <laughs> of the week. <laughs> and it was true. It's it's uh, it's very difficult to. Uh, I don't know. It, I was lucky in that it was like a really good ending. Like the weekend was awesome. I felt like so you're pretty locked in. And then after I I found my last thing on Sunday night, it's like I'm just totally ejected. Like I didn't I didn't write anything on Monday. I didn't think about anything on Monday. And uh, I mean that was obviously all I was looking forward to. Did you sleep at all on Sunday night? Well, we were up. We were staying at the uh, this little this little house about 30 minutes away with a ton of people. And we're hanging out, just spewing takes, just flaming takes at like two thirty in the morning. And uh, <laughs> Porath and Bacon and Van Valkenburg were like, "Bro, go to bed. Like you, <laughs> you need sleep. Like you cannot." I set like I set five alarms, I think, on my phone. Um, and my my tea time wasn't until eleven thirty, so I wasn't I wasn't worried about that. But I didn't want to be out there like groggy and just. You know how your body feels like really tired when you've stayed up till four in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't want to feel like that walking around Augusta, so I got I got plenty of sleep. 
I did wake up like I could not. Get, I, I woke up at like six forty-five and could not go back to sleep because um, I was just giddy about the day. So that I mean it, that that part of it, it was just it was impossible to go back to sleep. So we joked about it on the preview podcast. I asked you if you were bringing a scripting or what you were doing for scripting. You brought oh, yeah. you brought a scripting. You were ready for it. Well, I was concerned because the only hat I brought was an Oakmont hat. So I didn't know if that was a faux pas to wear like a like a, another club's hat to Augusta. But one of the guys that, that I played with wore a Pine Valley shirt. And so I figured that I was okay. I was safe with the with the Oakmont hat. <laughs> but yeah, this such a like a top 100 course guy move to, to wear the Pine Valley shirt at Augusta. I respect that though. Yeah, it was a, it was a power play, but um, yeah, I have the scripting laid out. I, I felt like it looked a little Matt Kucherish um, with the with the uh, with the light blue and the the light yellow and the dark blue pants. I was concerned about that. Um, I I I went back and forth on it, but. That was a. Uh, I, I bought that ma- that uh, polo this week at, at the Masters in the in the uh, pro shop. So I I decided to go with it anyway. So when you show up, like it, people, you know, the players, caddies, and whatnot, when they show up at the Masters, everyone notes how everyone, like everyone working there, knows who everyone is. And I even heard like within the press center this year, like your p- people are when you're getting ready to ask a question in a press conference the moderators know your name and whatnot when you arrived on the scene did people like know who you were and were waiting for you or what's it like driving up magnolia lane how do you get to where you need to go yeah it's it's very it's very um structured and like everything is planned out and like the security guard you know he's got a list you're on it you're either on it or you're not if you're on it you drive down the down magnolia lane which is which is just the coolest and then you you get up there and um people you know take your clubs out of your car and uh it's very it's a very first class obviously experience but i i thought the coolest part and augusta does such a good job of this of just treating you like you are a member there for the day and and that was really um they don't have to do that you know like that that's just a and, and and I think people saw this in in the way they did the media center. They they are very adamant about hey the media is important. Like people writing about our event is important, and I think that that's um, something that has always been important to them there. And it's not like that everywhere. I, I think that um, you know other places you go, it's like oh we got to put up with the media or whatever, and that's not necessarily the or it's not at all the case there, which I th- I think is really cool and, and just. I think the Monday outing um, just kind of caps that off of how well they treat you there. And uh, I don't know. To me, that's as a media member, that's really special. And and I think we're all obviously really appreciative of that. That's what I mean. Augusta's got a very long, deep, confusing history as far as, you know, not allowing women members and, and race issues in the past. However, the only time I've been there, I was blown away at how how genuine it felt that they wanted the people attending to enjoy the event. Yeah. yeah. It's a real thing. And it's not like, I don't know how else to describe that other than, uh, I mean, yeah, everyone knows about the concession stand prices being cheap and kind of that, that, that code of, you know, you set your chair down, it's going to stay there and whatnot. So, uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear that you know they 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 want you to walk away from that saying the things that you're saying about it. So yeah, and well, uh, Bacon and I were talking about that. I, I think that the Augusta thing gets, um, it's a little overwrought. It's a little kind of kind of I don't know. People just get 
get crazy about it, but the, their 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 members and and the people that put on the event they they are genuine about um, just w- protecting the tournament, protecting you know like the the experience of the tournament. Like that's a that's a genuine legitimate thing, and I think that make you can people say what they want, but that makes for a really just tremendous experience for the patrons, for the media, for the players, for everybody. And I don't think it's, it's definitely not like that everywhere. And so I, you know, I think people get, um, I don't know, people get crazy about it, but I, I certainly appreciate it. I think it's awesome. So you get, they give you a card that tells you your tea time. You had 1130 tea time. They tell you to arrive at 1030. Were you like waiting outside the gate at 1029? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm there at 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I actually drove over and stopped at like a gas station two minutes away and just and just and timed it so that I could, so that I could be there for every every I seriously did that. that I, I believe yeah. you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got everything ready to roll. I've got my my GoPro, my just everything's just you know perfectly set up so I can get out of the car and get up to the to the champions locker room and and uh, get ready to for the day. So you walk into the champions locker room. Describe the scene. Oh, it's it's uh, it's small. It's it's really small, um, and it's just very it's very ordinary. But you've got all these these gold nameplates on these wooden lockers of some of the best ever. You know, Jordan Spieth and Arnold Palmer are together. Um, Phil Mickelson's got his own locker, um, which was yeah, which was hilarious. Uh, I took a thumbs up selfie with Phil's locker. Um, there's a there's a shower in there. There's um, it, it's it's very intimate and and there's all sorts of. I think I think they sent out photos. I think they I think uh, Augusta National has put photos out there, but it's a very um, just intimate experience with lots of old memorabilia that is um, just kind of historical stuff to to augusta so it's it's a really um i don't know it's hard to describe it's just very it feels very surreal when you're there honestly and so do you 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 went there and changed and then do you go out to the range do you go to the putting green what's next i I really actually do care about all of the all this part of the process (laughs) yeah yeah no my so i i actually planned this out I, i so i knew i had an hour and so i thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna spend 20 minutes at the pro shop 20 minutes kind of exploring just going where just anywhere really and 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 they're cool about that like mm-hmm. they I, you can't go anywhere but like you can walk around and check stuff out and it, it was really neat and then 20 minutes on the range well the pro shop had not put out their um their angc stuff yet which i mean that's what you're there for you're not trying to buy like a you know master shirt like you could have done that the last seven days um and so i just skipped that kind of walked around a little bit checked out the regular locker room checked out the dining area, um, and then went out to the range and, and met my caddy. Uh, I got to say, on the range, didn't miss a shot. Um, Strike just, show. Just so locked in. And I think my caddy was like, uh, I think he was excited. Because you, you don't know what you're getting out there as a caddy. And it went real badly later, which we'll talk about. <laughs> but he, but it, it felt, you know, it was great to begin with. And uh, so we just chatted. Um, I didn't hit a ton of balls, but... Uh, checked out the putting green, hit a bunch of chips. I was very concerned about the chipping there. Um, hit some sand shots. So we just kind of hung out and, um, you know, he, he's got a three month old, I've got a four month old. So we talked about that and, um, I don't know, it was just, you're trying to, 
just drink it all in, you know, because you've only got so much time out there. So you're trying to, to touch, not literally touch, but j- experience every single thing that you can um, with your caddy, with the other people out there. And uh, it, it, I think I think my attitude generally was just to try to be laid back and, and just enjoy it, which I think I did pretty well. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the pre first tee shot routine. A quick break to talk to you guys again about the Callaway Chrome Soft Golf Ball. Callaway has been the fastest growing golf brand since 2013. There's a reason you see these guys dominating social media every single day. The Chrome Soft Golf Ball has been a major part of that. It is extremely fast, incredibly soft, and unbelievably easy to control. Guys like Phil, Patrick Reed, Thomas Peters have all switched to the Chrome Soft. We saw what what Thomas Peters just did to Augusta National with the Chrome Soft. You have to be willing to change to get better. Chrome Soft and the new Chrome Soft X are in stores now at CallawayGolf.com. Chrome Soft, it's the ball that changed the ball. And so what are the nerves like as you make your way over to that first tee box? <laughs> it wasn't bad until the very moment that I'm, I'm standing over the ball and it hits you. I mean, it just oh. hit me like so hard. I'm staring at the ball. I can see the... Um, the the scoreboard with the flags coming up in the back like off to the right Mm -hmm. and it it hit me just all at once right right before i'm about to take the club back and i just blew on over the scoreboard (laughs) because i was so just jacked up did they introduce did they do the four please kyle porter now driving (laughs) no they don't do that they they took they took our picture and uh there's a bunch of people out there to greet i mean it, it was it was a really um just a very professional experience. Like it, it was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I was I was scared out of my mind over that first tee shot. <laughs> so set the scene. Like, what is what is your handicap? What do you what are your expectations for the day? Within our group chat, we set the over under. I think at eighty nine and a half for the day for you. What what was your ex? I know you probably didn't want to think about a score too much, but what what did you expect for the day? I I, I expect just from talking to other people that had played there, I expected to break ninety. Um, I'm I'm between I, I shoot between eighty and ninety um, at pretty much m- most places that I play, unless it's like like when we played Oakmont from the tips, I didn't break ninety, but like at a at a normal golf course, and because uh, Augusta from the members tees is not long, it's sixty three. I got the scorecard sixty three sixty five from the from the members tees, so it's pretty short. I mean, we, I think we talked about that on this podcast, um, and so I, I just figured that I'd be long enough to make up for some putting or chipping struggles uh, to, to break 90. Um, but yeah, it didn't go so well. Like in hindsight, would you have preferred to play it from the members tees where you did, or would you have rather played the tournament tees? No, the members tees. I, I think it would have been a slog from the, <laughs> from the uh, pro. It just would have been like, I think a lot more miserable. Yeah. Um, all right. So you blow the first shot. Yeah. We don't have to go hole by hole, but what are the, what are the highlights from the, from the front nine? I guess. So the first few holes, how, how long did it take you to calm down or did you ever calm down? I think by the fourth tee box. Um, so the par three, the fourth, I had a really good seven iron there and made par. And that was kind of the first time that I was like, okay, like I just, I just made par here. Like I can, you know, you can do this. Um, and then it, I, I, one of the hardest things, and I, I didn't realize this, you, you don't, you can't know it until you get out there, but every second shot you have is either on like a upslope or a severe downslope. And so you can't, Jordan Speed talked about this, I think at Hawaii, um, you can't, you, you never have a flat lie. Like it, and it makes it for somebody who doesn't play that often, it makes it really difficult to, 
know when to like choke up just a little or, or where to put your feet or whatever. So I, I didn't hit my, I didn't hit my shots into the green that well. Uh, I did make a, uh, so on number nine, I hit, I, I caught the downslip there. I probably hit one, uh, I had, I had like 95 in, so I hit one about 305 or something like that. Um, and just flubbed the chip so bad. Like didn't even get it up the hill. Didn't even hit the false front. And, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, cause they grow the grass back towards the tee boxes too, right? Does that make it dif- more difficult to make contact with the ball is what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's d- it beautiful, but it's very different than hitting on even like a, a regular nice course. Um, so anyway, I, I chip over on the ninth green and then I made a 50 foot, uh, putt coming back off the, like from the fringe, uh, for par on number nine. So that, that was pretty awesome. It was going to go, it's probably going to go down the hill. Like if it didn't go in, <laughs> it was going to, I was going to have to chip back up, but it, it caught the cup and went in. So that was pretty awesome. So what's the speed of the greens? Like, did they cut them that morning or are they, did they let it, let it go after probably what having it, you know, super fast for Sunday? Yeah, I, I I think they let it go um, because it wasn't. I mean, it was fast, but it. I, I've played other courses where, like Oakmont, was probably faster. I think I played Colonial one time the day before um, that tournament, and that was close. I mean, it was pretty similar to that, so it wasn't. It wasn't obscene, and it, it, I think any any putting um, like difficulties that you might have are. are kind of negated by the fact that you have a caddy. So, like, if you don't have a caddy out there, then you're going to hit the wrong sp- – like, your caddy is basically telling you, okay, diet right here, and then it'll funnel down to the hole. And you don't I, – I can't read the greens out there. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, it, it's uh, That was one thing that surprised me. You'll have putts that are uphill or that look like they're uphill that my caddy is like, hit this at a regular speed because the grain's going this way and, you know, whatever – um and so that was tough like that that part of it would have been impossible without a caddy i did hit the uh the rory cabins on 10 we should probably talk about that <laughs> so I, uh, well, can we talk about how well first of all, i was i i could not have been more excited for somebody to play a round of golf like i was thinking about it all day <laughs> and this was the day after the masters and uh it was it was like 5 30 for me and so i sent like a message to our group saying like I said four, please on the tee. Kyle Porter now driving it, and as I was going through my evening, like I, I wish I had to go like shopping for a new rain jacket, and like I was trying one on, and it wouldn't fit, and I was getting frustrated, and I was like, Porter's playing Augusta National right now. Here I am, like running errands, and for the first time, I got like upset. Like I was really excited for you, but then about two hours into your round, I uh, so I said I photoshopped your face onto Rory's face of him hitting the shot from the cabins. And so this is probably Porter right about now. As soon as you get off the course, you come and tell us, yep, you found the Rory cabins on the left Oh, yeah. I've, I've pulled a – and it's worse because the tees are so much farther out. I pulled a drive so bad on number 10 uh, that I was over there, and one of my playing partners said, hold on, just stay right there. I'm going to take a picture of you, and uh, this, is, this is the Rory shot. And it was. It was so, it was so bad. Um, but I ended up making quad on 10, which is just – it was egregious. Um, but then amen corner, you know, I, I think that the T and I, I, I wrote this, it's going to come out. I don't know when you're posting this, but it's going to come out later this, this today or this week or whenever. Um, the T box on 13 is the, is the coolest spot on the course. And I, I think a lot of people have said that pros have talked about that a lot, but it's so 
serene and so quiet and um you just get a different perspective of 11 12 and 13 that you've ne- literally never seen before i was gonna say because that's, uh, that's really the only place you can't get to 12 green and 13 t are the only places on the course as a fan or a media member you can't get to right right i just wanted to stay back there and like just tee balls up for people walking through like it was it was so cool to be back there hmm. um and then i well, skip, you skip past 11, though. I want to hear about 11 and 12. I want to hear about those shots. Because 11, yeah, uh, the member's tee is a totally different hole, right? Yeah, I hit three wood on 11, and it almost reached the water, like down the left side. Uh, is the tee set to the left, the member's tee, then? How do you get around that corner? Or is it not much um, of a corner from that from that angle, I guess? Yeah, there, there's really not. Okay. Um, I, I kind of drew a three wood a little bit, and it, it rolled all the way down to near the water. I had about mm, 100 in or 95 in. I mean, if you hit a decent tee shot from the members' tees, you're going to have like 95 to 110 into all these holes. Right. Like like for, for somebody like us. Um, so I had like 95 in. I made a, I made a triple from there, which is just <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I I hit it in the sand on the back right and and I didn't have a my my caddy goes yeah I probably wouldn't go for the pin on this one. <laughs> he had gotten accustomed to your game at that point. Yeah yeah he was not as delighted as he was like two and a half hours ago. <laughs> uh, so I pitched out in like three putt. I don't know what I did. It was it was bad. Um, and then the 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 groups kind of it kind of bottlenecks at twelve because obviously everybody's taking pictures yeah. and. I mean, it's where you want it to bottleneck. Like, you want to just hang out there. Right. Um, but you got to think about that shot so a little I, I longer, say, though. Yeah, 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 you do. I was thinking about, like, the 80 others that I had already hit. Um, the the tee shot at 12, like, it looks a little different when you're standing over the ball because that green, like, the green doesn't look that small. And then you're standing over it, and you're like, oh, that's that's pretty small. Like, I don't, I don't really know where to land this. And I hit... I think I hit a nine iron from, um, it was 140, it was spun like 147 or something like that and hit it to the middle of the green, but it spun back to front left. And so you have to putt through the, uh, through the collar and I three putted from there. Cause it's just, you, you have to, I mean, it's, it's really kind of a, if you're on, if you're on front left and the pins front, right, or you're front, right. And the pins front left, it's, a, it's a crazy difficult putt. Um, so yeah, I made, I made bogey there. I mean, at any point during this stretch, do you, while you're playing the shots or anything, do you forget kind of where you are, or do you kind of come out of the fact that you know this is like the one of the most hallowed places in the entire game, or are you totally aware of that the whole time? No, you're you're aware of it the yeah. whole time. I mean, it, it's, um, it is it's kind of eerie to be there without any other people there. Um, cause the only time you, the only time I've ever seen it is with, you know, tens of thousands of people. Um, even early in the morning when you're out there, like we used to go out as, as, uh, as fans and set up our chairs and being there early, it's, it's more peaceful, but there's still a ton of people everywhere. And so it's so like, it, it, it really is surreal to see a place like that empty. I mean, I, I think I said this in our chat, but it's like going to, like the best movie ever without anybody in the movie theater. And it's just like a, it's a weird feeling. Um, but it's also amazing. And yeah, you, you don't really, I mean, I think if you're like grinding over a putt, like you can maybe forget about it, but then you look up and you're like, Oh yeah, you know, this is where I am. Hmm. So what did you do on 13? There's like a few holes, like 13, 15, 16 are all holes. I, I, I need to hear the, the play yeah. I play on. 
13, I hit uh, three wood into the pine straw. And uh, my, I think my biggest regret of the day is not hitting driver off that tee and trying to cut the corner. Um, is it look my, visit, is it look doable like from that from that yeah okay my my caddy just handed me a three wood because I think he was like you're ejecting and I don't <laughs> want to be part of it <laughs> um so I hit three wood into the pine straw and then I pulled a three wood like off the property um and then I hit another three wood from he was like you should you should hit another one from here it was basically the Mickelson shot like through a couple of trees. And uh, I hit a three, put a three wood over the green. So I finally just walked up there and dropped, and chipped up and and one putted for like a double or triple or whatever. Um, I, I think thirteen was the most frustrating part of the day for me because I really wanted to play thirteen and fifteen well, just because those you know like those are the stories, right? Like, yeah. no nobody cares what you did on like seven. Uh, <laughs> people people want to hear about thirteen and fifteen. And if I had one hole that I could do over again, it'd be that one. So take us through the fifteenth hole. Yeah, fifteen. I've heard this story. <laughs> so I I took out a little frustration on fourteen and fifteen tee box. Hit two really good drives, and my drive on fifteen ended up. You're you're about fifty yards ahead of the of the uh, Masters tees, but my drive on fifteen ended up. Uh, I was one ninety one out, and so I was about two feet from Sergio's divot on Sunday. Hmm. So I'm just I'm just Rory strutting up to this ball, <laughs> like just I am just out of my. I'm just I'm thinking like I'm gonna make a freaking eagle at Augusta, and uh, I flipped. I had Bacon's GoPro. I flipped it to my caddy and said, um, "This is my this is like my favorite shot on the course. Um, would you would you video it? Would you would you would you shoot me taking it?" Or, or taking the shot and he said oh yeah of course he's like this is my favorite shot too so i get up to it and i stood over the thing for like 45 seconds it oh. was it was awful how long i stood because i'm just thinking of like the thing that you don't want to think but you can't help but thinking is i will literally never have this shot again in my life yeah. ever yeah. and i just wanted to, i wanted to stick it close so bad and so i take it back and i just laid the sod over oh. it it was it was awful you were playing you'd play in the celebration you were gonna twirl and chase it oh i was gonna run after it <laughs> i was already twirling as i took it back and uh and it didn't even get within 40 yards of the water i mean it was so bad and i looked back and my caddy goes well i hate it when that happens <laughs> he hadn't checked out yet on you yeah no he should have uh i ended up Pitching it up or, or uh, hitting it up with a sand wedge from there and two putting for par, but it was it was just if I could have one shot back, it would be that one. Just because I love like there's been so many cool memories of guys over the years uh, walking up that you know the the incline on 15, standing on top of that hill and and hitting career changing shots. And like I, I wanted to, that was the shot that I wanted to hit well, and it was just so bad. Um, so yeah, that that was that was frustrating. But then I went to 16 and I hit a ball about two feet from the Saturday pin, which is it's impossible to do. You yeah. can't do it. You can't get to that spot. And, and my caddy said uh, you could have sold that shot on Saturday for a hundred thousand dollars to somebody. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know, but I wish it would have caught the you know caught the ridge and come back down. So I, I my putt on 16, I actually kind of turned my back to the hole and putted it back towards the tiger tree and just kind of dyed it at the at the ridge and it and it went all the way down and it still went five feet past 
and I made that one coming back for par. So I parred 15, 16, 17, which I was really excited about. Um, and then finished up with a, with a bogey on 18, but we, we had an awesome group like that, that really, I think that kind of makes your round, like who you're with. Um, we had Mike Johnson from golf digest who actually played in a U.S. amateur back in the, I think he said seventies. And then a couple other guys, one of our guys, uh, shot 79, which wow. was, uh, really impressive. And then, uh, another guy that, uh, that was there also. So, um, it, it was just all time, just the greatest day ever. I, I, you know, I shot 95, but I didn't care at all. It, it was, it was, uh, it was a blast. It, I was surprised that the, the course was not, it wasn't difficult. Like it, <clears throat> what I've told people is whatever you shoot at, like if you go to your regular course and say, I played pretty well today. Like if that, if that number for playing pretty well is like say 84, like that's what you would have shot if you played pretty well at Augusta. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it wasn't super difficult because of where the members tees were and because you had a caddy helping you out. Right. Yeah. I mean, four, you're, you, those guys are, those pros are hitting like four iron into that green. You're hitting, like you said, you're hitting seven iron and those par fives become four and yeah. a half really for us. So I'm acting like I know a lot about playing for the members <laughs> season at Augusta National, but I've seen the scorecard and yeah, it, it seems, it seems quite doable. And I've talked to, I have a, a family friend that's played there and he says, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean like 11, you, it's not nearly the same hole as what they play, right. but I mean, it's kind right. of, it'd be fun to play Augusta with that kind of advantage, right? Like you said, if you play it from the tips, that's probably not that fun for you. Uh, I, I almost, I mean, I would like to obviously like to play it from both, but it would probably be more enjoyable. Like if you get the chance to go after 15, get the chance to go after 13 and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, was there any part of it that was maybe like even slightly overrated or kind of like you, you would build a certain part up in your head and you're kind of like, Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's a little different than what I thought it would be like. I mean, not really. Didn't think it, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the one thing that's different is and my caddy was talking about this, but right after the tournament, and you don't notice this ever, but a lot of the a lot of the course is kind of worn down from people walking there and putting their chairs there all week, and it takes a while, obviously, to get that grass to to you know be lush again. But I mean, that's really the only thing. Like the wear and tear from the tournament is is the only thing that um, is, is probably something that you wouldn't expect to see just cause I had never really thought about it. And what about underrated something that kind of surprised you? Like you didn't realize you had that res kind of respect for something out there maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, just underrated is I, I've always thought that amen corner is a little bit overrated. Yeah. Um, just because people, it's kind of like, um, well, people people just talk about it a lot. It's and got people, a name, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's just kind of like mainstream popular, and so you're like, eh, whatever, you know. <laughs> but it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it was awesome to. St I, I went, I walked back and stood on the uh, the Masters tees at 13, and we took some pictures back there. And it's just such an intimate, like, cool spot to to stand at. So you wrap up. How long did it take you to play? Uh, like eight hours. <laughs> No, it was uh, we we teed off. That. <laughs> I actually, I after I parred seventeen, I was three in a row, and I looked at my cat. I said, uh, "Can we play eighteen more? Or is that is that frowned upon here?" <laughs> uh, we it took us. Uh, we teed off at eleven thirty, and I think we got done at four forty-five. Yeah, so it's to be expected. No one's in a yeah. rush out there. You shouldn't be. No, no. Um, no. Then what'd you do after the round? 
Uh, after the round, I took a shower in the champions locker room because yes. that'll literally never happen again. Um, took some took some photos with my no laying up shirt on. I um, saw that. Expand the brand, and uh, uh, yeah, just drove back down Magnolia Lane, re-entered the real world. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's I wrote about this, and I think I wrote about it more personally and intimately than I can speak about it. But it's just a, uh, it's a really surreal, incredible experience that. I know a lot of people will never get to have, and so I'm really grateful for it. And and I don't say that to, in a, in an arrogant way or anything. I no. I just I I I and I and I think people know that, but I'm super um, just grateful to have been able to do that. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was that's what made it kind of fun for all of us is we uh, we knew how much you appreciated it, how much you would enjoy it, and kind of following it and from afar I was very genuinely excited for you and uh, to hear the recap is it's exciting man it really is I mean it's uh <laughs> it's just an insight into something like exactly what you said not a lot of people are not never going to get to do that I don't I don't picture myself ever getting that opportunity but um if it happened man I would be probably as giddy as you sound talking about it so yeah yeah it's um yeah it's an all-time experience and really cool of Augusta to uh, uh, you know do that for for the media uh, members and everything so what was uh, your best tour sauce move i twirled it pretty hard on on uh, number four yeah um like real hard i was twirling on i was twirling on i hit every uh part three green i think i was twirling on every par three um i think i t- i <laughs> I, uh, after I hit the putt on nine, I, I, I kind of just raised my hand and, you know, there's like, there's like three people out there. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was pretty good. Um, I did uh, the shot on 15 after I, after I said they needed two caddies to come in and replace the divot, um, to carry or to carry the divot back to its original resting place. But I looked back at the uh, at the ground like it was like like it's I had a bad fault. Yeah, like I had a bad lie or something. Mud like, ball. It's like the cleanest fairway I've ever played <laughs> on, and I and I just stared back at the ground like I like it was, you know, it was what had caused my fifty yard chunk. Um, so yeah, I, I did uh, on sixteen. I tried to I tried to will my ball down the ridge a little bit, so I was a little. A little too saucy, um, but yeah, mostly the club trolls. I was pretty insistent on having some good club trolls. Good, I'm proud of you. Um, yeah. All right, I think that wraps the actual round. I do want to talk to you a bit about covering the Masters in person. Uh, I've never yeah. done it, obviously. I've only been to Augusta once in my life, but do you? It, it's got to be the most unique event to cover with like today's technology, and that even for the press, you can't take your phone out on the golf course. So. You are completely in the dark, just like all the other patrons out there, as far as what's going on. The thought of that like drives me nuts. Like that fear of not knowing where to go exactly. Am I am I following the best story? Do, do you get any kind of anxiety being out there, like trying to figure out what to do? Yes. Yeah. All the time. It's so um and you kind of accept it over after a while. My first round out there I was just it was like being like off of drugs or what I imagine being off of drugs is like because you're just like shaky and like so anxious about and it's such a that's a weird thing like I, I realize that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say out loud um but you you have no you have no input and you have no output in terms of of information and that was that's like 
the whole deal, right? Is like having, like we deal in having information and distributing it and you can't do that out there. And so you kind of just accept it after a while. We had a team of, of people running our live blog and, and doing all that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad for them. So you're, so I'm kind of out there just like collecting notes, collecting info to, cause I know that I'm going to do a bigger, longer piece later on, but it's way different than covering like a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship or even like when we were at the Ryder Cup because you can, you know, I can fire off like pictures of you chasing down Ian Poulter at the Ryder Cup. It's <laughs> uh, a coincidence. Whereas, whereas I can't, uh, obviously, at the Masters. But it, it's also cool because everybody is just the same out there. You know, we're following a group of Jor- or a pairing of Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler right next to Aaron Rodgers and – the press is all with all the patrons and there's no, it's just, it's a very, um, I don't know. Everybody's just sort of the same and chasing around the golf and watching it and, and taking it all in together. So I do like that part of it, but as a, as a media member, as a journalist, it, it makes it, it makes it difficult sometimes. Do you, so like you said, there's no special viewing places for the press anywhere. Like you are just, I mean, other times you can't get to somewhere where you need to be able to, like you, 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 you need to write a story about what you're doing. Right. Do you ever get somewhere where you can't see what's happening? Yeah. 18. I, I mean, I tried to watch Sergio and Rose coming up 18 and it was, I almost got on poor ass shoulders to, <laughs> to see the, uh, to see what was going on. There are a couple of grandstand spots where you can go up with your with your press badge, but at the times that you're going out there, those are also like other people can go up there too, like um, I think members and and families and stuff like that. So by the time you know you get out to twelve, like that's that's uh, that's those spots are taken. Like you're not getting up there, um, and so we didn't we didn't really do that very much. But yeah, it's it is difficult. I don't think it's as difficult as you might think. I've never done it with Tiger. I think that would be impossible, but because everybody's pretty spread out and there's not a ton of people out there, it, it's it's probably a little bit easier than it seems, but coming up 18 was impossible on Sunday. Yeah, cuz I mean, you basically have to pick what kind of story you want to go for. Like I don't know, I don't even yeah. I'm not sure what you did Sunday, but like if you went out and followed Spieth Fowler, like you were ended up disappointed like that was not the story but you can't you know you can't really know you can see the scoreboards but they're not as totally current and you hear the roars i would imagine coming from all different directions got to be like oh what should i do what should i do and you don't have the information to follow it i mean just just thinking about that kind of gives me a bit of anxiety do you ever want to just sit in the press center and watch it all on tv and fold from there yeah, I do, but then I'm like, I'm at the Masters. I know. Like, I'm going to go sit in the press center, you know, like, I, and, and you do, like, I did that on, on uh, Sunday for the for the front nine because you want to get a, at least an idea of what to do. Who, yeah, who's ejecting and, like, what the story is. Because, like, last year, the story was Spieth no matter what, right? right. Like, if, if he wins or if he loses, the story is Spieth. And, and uh, so that's sort of how I felt about Sergio this year. Once he went to the back nine, tied for the lead. It, well, and, and it was Sergio or Justin Rose. So um, you, you kind of use the media center to leverage what you're going to do out on the course. But I, I just, if I'm in the media center down the, down the back nine on Sunday, it's like, I might as well be at home. Like, you, why, you know, why, why is CBS even sending me here? So I might I might miss it one of these days. I'm I'm gotten it both times. I've been with Sergio this year and Spieth last year, but um yeah, you just kind of you just kind of pick somebody and hope that that ends up being the story. Had had you officially given up on Sergio and and if you did at what point did you give up? Yeah, he walks he crosses the bridge on 13 into the into the pine straw. That's I'm oh, I'm ejected. I'm out. What do you yeah. put his odds at, at the, or percentage chance of winning at that moment? I don't know what the math actually says, but if I said 99 out of 100 times he loses that, is that accurate? 
Uh, I'd say it's less than that. Okay. Yeah, I'd say like uh, 97, 97. I mean, it's it's still high. Like, yeah. it was just so improbable. Not and not even necessarily because of him. Like, if William McGirt is in the fairway on thirteen next to Sergio and not Justin Rose, then I would think differently about it. But it's Justin Rose. It's not like he's a, you know he's a amazing player and he's just money down the stretch at so many tournaments and um so it was it was the combination of Sergio going bogey bogey into the woods as well as Justin Rose being in the middle of the fairway on 13 like run that back i mean yeah run that back 100 times and i bet i bet Justin Rose wins 95 of them i really i really do yeah do you do you think we kind of lose in our Sergio excitement uh lose a bit of perspective on how is it fair to say Rose let it slip away? Yeah, kinda. I, I think that's true. But also, Sergio missed a putt on sixteen. Sergio missed a putt on eighteen that he could have made. Rose missed a putt on thirteen and seventeen. Can I so can both- I say that real quick? Can I say on that real quick? Because I know people were you know reacting quite harshly to Sergio's those two missed putts. I didn't think either of those putts were easy. And when you factor in the putt he made on thirteen. 14, 15, uh, it's hard for me to look at those two putts and not say that's just kind of evening out. You know what I mean? I know it came at the end, but I, I don't I don't view that, – that putt on 16 was the wrong – it was close as he hit it, the wrong place to leave it, that left to right kind of downhill putt. And then 18, it looked ugly. The putt did not come close at all. It was, but so I repeat some people saying, I thought Bacon said it was five feet. I thought it was like a good eight feet. Like it was not a, not a gimme by any means. So Sorry I had to get that in there, but – I don't feel like either of those putts were really Sergio letting anything get away. Yeah, but I think when you compare them to the the putts that Rose missed at 13 and 17, you you could say this. Like I feel like those were equal to what Sergio did. Like you could have made them, but you you missed them. Like it, it wasn't. I didn't think Sergio's was any more egregious than than those. Right. I, I just. I don't really know what I'm saying anymore, but I, I just thought I thought they both I thought they both missed putts that they could have and and maybe in some cases should have made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think back to and I don't have the play by play in front of me, but Rose letting that birdie get away at 13, and then the miss at 17, and then the bogey in the playoff in 18. Um, yeah, I mean Sergio played incredible coming down the stretch, and, and Rose hits. I mean Rose birdied 16. That 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 was some stones on 16. Yeah, you know, birdie 15, and then. After it's Sergio ten. made that eagle, um, yeah. But it, can we can we, can we put the narrative? You guys, I haven't listened to the Monday podcast yet, but can we put the narrative of putting wins the Masters to to bed yet? It's it should have it's been dead for a really long time, really long time. I mean, it's it's those greens. I don't. It sucks. Cause do, you, do you guys get it in this in the press center? Do you get the st- the strokes gain stats? Yeah. Okay. So like who was who dominated on the greens for the week? Ricky Fowler. Really? Yeah, he was well, I uh, heard you mention that on the bacon pod, but he was number one uh going into Sunday and he finished like fifty second on Sunday and he still finished number one on the week. Who where did Sergio and Rose rank? Uh I don't even know. I don't think they were top ten. Wow, okay. But they were but they were the top three in greens and regulation, Sergio, Justin Rose, Paul Casey. Yep. One, two, one, two, and six in the in the final final leaderboard. So I just I, I don't know. Like p- putting can win the Masters, but it it's not like a it's not a hard and fast rule. And then the other the other narrative, like 
I, and I, I just get sick of this generally, and we've talked about this a ton, but, you know, Sergio choking down the stretch and whatever. Like, I was thinking about this. How many how many real chances has Sergio had to win major championships? Like, not, not okay, he finished in the top ten. Like, we, we and I do this a lot. Like, I throw around the 22 top tens. Go back and look at how many of those were real Sunday chances to win it. It's not that many. Yeah, and, it's not that many, though, because he had – quite a few Sundays that he was in it and just completely petered out. Like he was like one shot back of Tiger in 06. And I don't know how, I don't remember how bad Tiger beat him, but it was bad. Card- yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he, on, on Sundays, like he, he hasn't, he hasn't been within, I bet he hasn't been within two or three of the lead, but I don't know, five times like Oh, set the Oh seven open. Obviously he led, but I think that's his only 54 hole lead. So I just get sick of the, Oh, Sergio can't close. Well, he had, he, the reality is he hadn't put himself in the, in the position to close that often. Um, and, and, uh, I don't know. I was just glad that he did it the way that he did it at the very end with the birdie and, yeah. and beating somebody, so beating somebody like Rose. I mean, that's a, that's a legit thing. Yeah. I kind of, I'm not obviously not the biggest Justin Rose fan, but, uh, I think I, I probably should have given him some Twitter props. Not that it matters at all what I say, but uh, he uh, he was a classy dude at the at the end there. He genuinely happy happy for Sergio. I know the crowd was rooting for Sergio, which is such a rarity for an American golf event. Um, I had to be just that had to be a tough tough experience. I think what comes with he he's won a major before, and I know I said before the day. This means the most for Sergio. This is kind of career-defining for Sergio. Spieth has a major. Fowler's 28. I, I still strongly believe he's going to win majors. I mean, you know, Rose has his U.S. Open. For Sergio, this is like, this is, I don't want to say this is it, but this is huge for him. Yeah. But to, there's no tournament that comes, there's nothing like, uh, no more benefits that come with winning a tournament that come with, like, winning the Masters. Just that yep. whole champion's dinner, the green jacket, and being able to come back there forever. Like there's a, re- I, I don't know. Do you take a straw poll? Who would you rather win the U.S. Open or the Masters? I don't think it's going to be close at all. Like the Masters is the, there's a reason why everyone wants to win that. To lose that in a playoff after making bogey on 17 uh, and being close in prior years as well, that, that just that has to sting. I it really really has to sting, and I kind of feel for him. Yeah, I'm a like I feel like I'm a little bit on an island here. I'm a big Justin Rose fan. Like I guess I understand why people kind of dislike him, but. I think he's a great player who has a really cool life, who is really kind to people and has always been generous to the media and has yeah. insightful things to say. Like, I just don't really get why people don't like him. I think he's got a, a cool swing. Like, I, just, I like the way he plays. He's, I don't know if you know this, he's got a gold medal, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, I've, but, I've, heard, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just I, – I'm a, I'm a big Rose guy. I really like him a lot. It's not it, – he – on the guys that I – I don't know. I wouldn't even say I dislike him. Um, it's it's not anywhere near, like, ZJ, Bubba, ter- Poulter territory <laughs> at all. Like, not even close. Is it, the, is it the shades? The shades are just kind of funny to make fun of. I don't just – I mean, it's just kind of my, my thing. It, there's not much to comment on when it comes to him. So I go for the yeah. shades. That's really all I have. Yeah. But I don't know. Some of the comments he's made in the past, he's just kind of uh, – I forget whether it was at Silverado a few years ago where he said, like, you know, this, co- this course doesn't know I'm a major champion, you know? And I'm like, what, what, does that even, what does that even mean, man? Like, well, at, at, uh, at the Ryder Cup when he said that the, the pins were e- – like the oh, – uh, what did he yeah. say? The, whole, the holes the, were cut e- too easy or something? It was like a pro-am. The setup was similar to a pro-am. Yeah, and he shot like a 73. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's 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 not a strong dislike. I just I, I would of the four guys in that final four group, I definitely he was the the fourth guy that I wanted to win, the last guy that yeah. I wanted to win. So um I don't know. It was awesome, awesome masters. Where does it rank like historically for you as a viewer, a fan watching as far as non from from non Tiger masters as far as with some of your one of your favorites? Yeah, uh, just like masters only or all majors? Masters, I was saying. I, I compared it to Phil 04. I still think Phil takes the cake on that one, but that was probably the best, most enjoyable finish to a masters since that one for me. Yeah, I mean, if you look back, I think it was the last time since 09, maybe I read. I think Justin Ray had that in terms of last time uh, somebody's had a, a putt or two guys, both guys have had a putt in, in the final group to win it uh, at the very end. So. I mean, if you look back at the last few years, we've gotten good masters, but they haven't been as dramatic at the end. So yeah. for me, it's up there with, um, I, I really, I thought Phil in 10 was pretty great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about this beforehand. We've gotten some kind of lackluster masters champions in the last 10 years. And Sergio is definitely not that. And the Indian, uh, delivered. It was, uh, it, I thought the Indian was right there with, um, Adam Scott and, and Cabrera in the in the playoff in 13, but I thought the entire afternoon was far better than than what we got in 13 with those two. Yeah, I almost tweeted this this week, and I'm really glad I didn't because I I almost said how depressing is it that in the last six years that Bubba's the only American to have won the Masters? Like I completely <laughs> forgot that Spieth won the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like like an all time. Well, actually, like a million responses <laughs> immediately. I'm, I, my brain was fried the entire week. I dedicated way too much time to watching the Masters. I couldn't even like think. And there wasn't like much to say down the stretch other than just like type exclamation points because it was so crazy how it was all unfolding. That, that, that moment on 15, that's going to that's gonna stick with me, man. To hit that shot from the top of that hill, to graze the stick and nail the eagle putt to come back and win the Masters, that's that's – that does not get any better than that. It really doesn't. So this whole this whole year is downhill after that. Do you? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll never forget the shot on fifteen. That was no. that was the moment of the week for me because we were up there, kind of next, not next to, but like close to Sergio. And so to experience from that angle what he was seeing in terms of everybody just erupting on fifteen and sixteen. And we we couldn't see the ball, so you didn't know where it was. But to but to have that experience from that angle, I mean, in in the swing that he put on that, and the he held it for forever. Yeah. It was just, I don't know. That was that was an incredible shot. It was a life. I mean, it was a career changing shot for him, and it was it was cool to watch it. So there's three other things I want to ask you, and then I'll let you go. Um, does do you understand? I, I know Padraig Harrington came out and kind of said some things about Sergio this week where he called him a sore loser. And that's it, a guy that's been, you know, in the cauldron with Sergio. So I, I really value his opinion on that. And I'm, I, I'm glad that he said the things that he said. He's not really seemingly forgiven Sergio for, for, the, for the past. Do you understand people that still dislike Sergio? Um, not fans, really. I feel like if you're, if you're a fan and you're holding on to, to Sergio hate, you're just kind of like, not paying attention to the last five years. Uh, one of one of my friends, uh, Carson Cunningham, who's a sports reporter in Oklahoma, he brought this up. He said Sergio for him is kind of like Kobe. Like he was really likable at the beginning of his career, and then he became sort of like hated in the middle, and then at the end, you started to appreciate and like him again. And I thought that was a really good hmm. career arc um, 
parallel. I don't I don't think that Sergio historically is as good as Kobe is at basketball, but I, in terms <laughs> of like in terms of like personality, I, I thought that was a really good parallel. And I think I think he became a tragic figure. Like how likable was he at the Ryder Cup? Talking about um, you know, the fan I, I certainly know I don't have any majors and like I, I just he seemed in his press conference after after the Masters so like at peace that it was almost like his fan it was almost like Adam Sarson needed the Sergio major more than Sergio actually <laughs> needed it. <laughs> and I'm not calling out I mean any of his fans like yeah. um it, he just he didn't really seem to to need it now I'm sure he's delighted with it but um I don't know I think Sergio is is incredibly likable and you want unique figures in golf and that's what he is do you have any major takeaway? Does anything change for you on your outlook on Spieth based on this week? No, no. he just ran, he ran out of gas. I know I got vaporized for that take in our chat, but he just I, he, I think he expended so much energy on Friday afternoon and Saturday that he just he didn't have it on Sunday. It was weird. His take on it afterwards was weird because he said he's never felt more calm or more in control at Augusta. And he shot a seventy-five, and I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't really understand. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he just didn't hit any putts or what happened. But I don't, I don't take away anything besides the fact that he's finished in the top fifteen four straight years." I did find. I think he said something afterwards, like, "You know, I'll get to come back here for the next fifty years." It, it seemed a little to me like he was kind of deflecting some of the potential criticism. You know, like kind of reminding people, like, "I've won," and. and it's fair because he, he should not be criticized for finishing T11 at the Masters, especially considering his history. But it's kind of like a, I've won one of these. Remember that, guys. Like, don't say anything about my performance on this Sunday. That, did you did you hear that quote? See that quote? Or do am I kind yeah. of imagining that? No, he gets a little he gets a little short sometimes. Um, and I think that he wants everyone else to have the perspective that he has, yeah. and he tries and he tries to force that upon people a little bit. And rightfully, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same. I probably would, but it 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 doesn't come off, I think, as well as he intends it to. All right. And then last one, lastly, our guy Rory. Any takeaway from this week? Really good question. Really big, yeah. like detailed question. I'm asking. Talk about. Can you talk <laughs> about Rory? <laughs> I just. I mean, the 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 drives that he's hitting. He should not be. I mean, he he should be in contention on Sunday and he's just he's not hitting good second shots he's really not you know I, I thought this year was important for him because he didn't have I think it, it was like six of the last seven years he's had at least one round of 77 or worse and he didn't this year um my thing on Rory is this I think that you know people keep saying over the next 10 or he's you know he's got 10 or 15 chances you he got he's got 20 more chances at this and it's like yeah maybe but here's the reality. He's going to get two or three or four real shots at it over the next 10 years. Like really like leading by one with eight to go or, or leading after 54 holes or something like that. And he's got to capitalize on those because you're not, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to be in the hunt 10 times over the next 10 years on Sunday. But you're going to get two or three or four of them. And you got to take advantage of at least one. And I think he knows that. And, and I think that I think he will. Um but I don't know. It, it was. Uh, it's got to be frustrating for him to hit 400 yard drives and make par. Like it's yeah. just, you I, know. I, I, I try to talk about this on the recap pod, and I know you haven't listened to it yet. And I don't think I did a great. First of all, it's three o'clock in the morning when I recorded it. And <laughs> I left 15 seconds of dead air between the intro and when we started talking because it was. I, po- <laughs> I literally posted it at 3:30 in the morning after that Masters. But um, trying to make the point that 
I'm not sure how much hitting at 390 at Augusta gives you an advantage. Um, and what I mean in that it's such a it's hard to make this take such an emphasis on the second shot on that on that course that if you're hitting wedge into 14 or or whatever he's hitting into two like let's say let's take let's take the second hole for example when he, when he was getting down that hill um and you know hitting a mid iron into it one of the days he laid back and hit three wood from the top of the hill and i think he like hit it on the green i, I don't remember exactly what happened but it was kind of like a you don't have to play from super far down the fairway to put yourself in a good position after two shots. Like, does that make any sense? So my point is, I I don't think the course sets up that great for him or somebody like DJ that are the true bombers. Whereas somebody like Sergio Rose, and it's easy to default to those two that just finished one and two, but somebody like Spieth as well that just manage the ball more off the tee rather than bomb it and are maybe more in control of their distance with their irons are at a big advantage at Augusta. Does that does that make any sense what I'm saying? Yeah, but why is it easier to or why is it why is there no difference between hitting four iron and pitching wedge that's, into two? That's the hard part for me to explain that I can't really I can't really get it across. In my head it makes total sense, but I don't know how to say it. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean more like hitting it from 165 versus hitting from 140, like on 14 per se, doesn't give you that much of an advantage to hit it from 140 the way that you can't really – like the way the greens have played the last couple of years, you can't really spin the ball in there. You can't – so these guys maybe aren't necessarily used to when you're hitting a wedge into a green needing to plan for it to release, whereas if you're hitting 8-iron from 165 – you can you know you know what the ball's going to do once it lands and it's more predictable i, I don't know it, it's just kind of the sense i get in the the guys that are more um in i don't want to say in control of their ball flight the guys that seemingly get it out of the air quicker a guy like rory hits his iron so high he had a lot of trouble controlling the distance uh on this this entire week whereas i i just never felt like sergio or rose were going to miss a shot in a bad place at all coming down the stretch and i don't get the same feeling watching some of the true big bombers out there i don't know if that makes sense but i think his wedge game is just kind of leaky right now i mean i i don't i think that there is a point to be made that like and this is like a uh just kind of a tenant of you and i playing but hit it to a spot where you're comfortable whatever whatever distance you're comfortable from like if you if you like to hit it from 150 in to the green more than you than you like hitting it from 135, then take a club off on your on your tee shot or or whatever the case is. Um, and so I don't know, maybe maybe that's it. Like maybe he's not comfortable from 140 or what, whatever he's got into these greens. But it just seems to me like his he needs to tighten up his wedge game. And I don't know, maybe there's a uh, maybe there's a device that he could use that a that a number one player in the world has has used before to improve his wedge game. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean that that's all it is to me. Like he, I, I watched him on, I think it was on Saturday he had a drive on 13 and he had one fifty or 60 or something into the, to the green at 13 and he just missed the green and I, it, it just seems like just a bad wedge shot, you know? And, and obviously we are huge fans of Rory and, and think that he is, going to win multiple more majors but i think that he would agree that his that his wedge game needs to be tightened up um especially when you're hitting the ball like you are off the tee plays augusta national once and has all (laughs) has it all figured out on how to play it and gives advice to rory (laughs) 
<laughs> I set you up for that one. Uh, all right, I wasn't planning on going a full hour, man, but I really enjoyed hearing about Augusta. I think the listeners will enjoy hearing about it as well. And uh, congratulations on another great week covering a major and a, a life experience of getting to play that course. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's. I don't know how to. Jealousy is not the right word though, just because I was I was super excited for you, and I'm glad you got that chance. Well, I, I appreciate that. I've got a, I've got a piece coming out on it that I hope um, everyone will read, and it's just a, it was a really intimate experience that I am really glad to have had. And um, yeah, it was an all time week. It was. I feel like I say that after every major Ryder Cup, whatever. But it's it's been a blast to uh, to cover the sport and to meet all of you guys and to get to hang out at these. And uh, I guess we'll be doing that again in about a month at the yeah, players. So that's the looking month. forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So. Uh, well, you're definitely suspended from the podcast at least until then. But I have a feeling we're going to be doing some stuff uh, on site that week. It's going to be it's going to be fun. So, okay, sounds good, buddy. Appreciate the time as always. I think going forward, we may actually have to have you start reading some of the ads on here because you're on here so much. So. <laughs> but uh, Kyle, thank you for the time, man, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, I used an epic driver at Augusta. By the way, in case <laughs> All right, sign it up on that. Cheers, man. Let's be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.